As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, if we're fielding nominations for Game of the Year or at least Win of the Year for the 49ers so far, I think that what happened in Cincinnati might win. 26-23 overtime walk-off winner Jimmy Garoppolo to Brandon Ayuk who dove over the pylon. And the 49ers who... At first, it looked like they were going to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, but then they ended up snatching victory from the jaws of defeat so this was a real roller coaster of emotions but uh, i think at the end in the immediate aftermath matt we have to talk about what the 49ers did when it really mattered in crunch time because that's what this league is ultimately about right and in crunch time jimmy garoppolo delivered george kittle delivered the offensive line delivered the defense delivered and even the special teams in overtime delivered after virtually all those units had failed to some degree in regulation right to force overtime but when push came to shove the 49ers showed up to notch a huge win yeah i remember at one point in the fourth quarter there when the when the Bengals were driving down i said to myself wow th- th- this team could really use a nick bosa sack on this play and lo and behold, they got a Nick Bosa sack. I mean, <laughs> they got they got uh, the big plays from their big time players when they needed it. That Kittle catch, which should have been you know uh, essentially the game winner uh, in the in the fourth quarter, was just spectacular. I mean, um, you know, uh, talk about a, a fingertip grab. He he made that at the very tips of both of his fingertips, um, and then of course that set up the the what should have been the game-winning field goal, but Robbie Gold pushed it to the right. No matter, um, the, the Bosa sack came after that, and then Kittle showed up again on the on the overtime drive. And as you noted, uh, that, that nice uh, catch and run by Brandon Ayuk, uh, who, by the way, um, you know, had a, a touchdown reversed uh, earlier in the game, couldn't get that second body part, knee, ankle, foot down in the end zone. Uh, he got a reprieve on the uh, on the replay review, Dennis, on the uh, on the second one, and it was a huge one. You saw the the team just kind of explode onto the field. Uh, it, it sort of uh, uh, encapsulated their uh, relief, their their celebration, their joy in winning that game in overtime. It's amazing how exciting football games are when your team wins 
uh, in overtime. And this was this was a game that it was kind of a tell of two games. I mean, the 49ers came out. And then the spe- let's talk about special teams. How important is special teams? And to, to see Cincinnati kind of muff, I think it was two punts and a, and a, and a kickoff. I mean, they couldn't field a punt or kickoff to save their lives. And, and, and the 49ers to capitalize on those mistakes was huge. But then the fourth quarter came, uh, and, and, and they let Cincinnati back in the football game. And Joe Burrows, he's a, he's a good quarterback. Strong arm, made some really good throws. He's got some great threats on the, on the perimeter. He uh, exposed the defense a little bit. But that last drive, Jimmy everything we say about Jimmy Garoppolo, he stood up. And he made plays six for six that that last drive, and then Brandon Ayuk, what a great play call coming across the formation, him catching the ball and just kind of tiptoeing into the into the end zone. It was it, it was fun to watch. It was an exciting game. It makes it even better when your team wins. Why don't we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo first? Because I mean, he's the guy that's always the the center of such rabid debate, not only amongst 49ers fans, but across the whole league. I feel that everybody has their own idea of a narrative surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo, and his play can be so inconsistent that he could simultaneously validate and disprove these narratives like within the course of two plays. You know, this was wild to me. He was shaky right toward the end of that game, and the 49ers blew that lead because the offense couldn't seal it and put it away. But then in that drive after the Bengals tied it, I mean, he made some excellent throws coupled with what almost was a pick six. That could have ended the game going in the other direction against the 49ers. But he had that third down where he found Kittle outside the numbers deep. He had to put that ball up high because Kittle was blanketed underneath. He didn't want to risk an interception. And, uh, you know, that dispels the notion that he's unable to throw outside the numbers. That was a beautiful throw outside the numbers, right? And he leads the 49ers into field goal range. Then Robbie Gold misses the field goal. So then Jimmy Garoppolo gets another chance in overtime. And Another prevailing narrative that that obviously isn't correct is, oh, the 49ers are afraid to let Garoppolo pass the ball. Well, they ran seven plays in overtime. The clock wasn't really an issue. Six of those were throws. So when it absolutely mattered, Shanahan only essentially had Garoppolo throw the ball, and he threw it outside the numbers on a beautiful kind of back shoulder throw to Jawan Jennings that picked up 25. He threw a deeper pass over the intermediate middle to George Kittle that beat a blitz. And then vintage Garoppolo, he threaded one through like four guys on third down, right? Nine yards to George Kittle. I don't know how the hell it got there. And then he set Brandon Ayuk up for the final touchdown. But uh, I mean, just the overarching picture here, Matt, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo can give you, you know, two or three drives late in the game like we saw today that, that that are maddening if you're a 49ers coach or a 49ers fan that really feed into some of these negative narratives about him. But then as we saw today, when the deadline pressure hit, uh, he, he was nearly perfect. He was nearly flawless. So he gave everybody fodder for their arguments, which I thought was, was unbelievable. And then the 49ers won. So this stuff is only going to go stronger as we, we move further into December. Well, he had zero interceptions in this game. And that's the sixth time, sixth time that's happened this season, and the 49ers are six and zero in those games. So, uh, you know, that's always been the the issue with with Garoppolo. He throws too many picks, and when he doesn't throw them, the you know the 49ers usually win. And and, and obviously, when they win the uh, turnover battle, which they did today, they usually win as well. <laughs> you would think that they would win it more handily than overtime when uh, when they're up uh, two nothing in that. But you're absolutely right. I mean. Um, 
you mentioned that that Juwan Jennings throw and catch. Uh, that was that to me was you know uh, the, the Kittle throw and catch was was number one. The the one to Jennings was was number two because Jennings was well covered on that play, and um, it should have been an incompletion. But it kind of shows you what a str- a big strong uh, wide receiver gets you. Uh, which is uh, you don't feel nervous about throwing him the ball because you know if he's not going to come down with it, nobody is. And he basically kind of strong-armed his way through that catch, caught it away from his body, his back shoulder throw, uh, just a uh, a grown man's catch, and it was what they needed at that point in the game. And then uh, there were, were obviously some other great throws after that. You mentioned that, that one to Kittle. Uh, down the middle. I mean that uh, that was a seeing eye single. Uh, made it made it through three different bangles. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, good for Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, especially after uh, a bad game in Seattle, a two pick game in Seattle, which they lost. Bottom line, Dennis, when when Jimmy Garoppolo throws touchdowns and not interceptions, the 49ers win. Yeah, and you think about Jimmy Garoppolo and what what a professional he is. I mean, he's in a kind of a jacked up situation because. You know, everyone's talking about Trey Lance is going to be the future. You're not going to be here uh, next year or next season. And it, it, and, it, and, it, and it feels like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo never gets too high. He never gets too low. Um, you know, early in his career, 49er career, you know, he would throw a touchdown. He would come back and, and you know, lead the offense down to a, to a, to a score. He, he's a professional. I mean, you think about someone who's, who's brought in and you know – that he is gonna, he's gonna be the successor, and, and you have to teach a guy kind of how to play in the NFL. And everyone's looking at you to teach, you know, this young kid how to be a quarterback in the NFL. And you know that, you know, most likely you won't be with the team. And he's he's handled it really well. And you know, we we get on Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know, when you see games like he had that one, he could have had an interception there, but it was, uh, I think the linebacker dropped it. But you know, he's gonna throw his interceptions. I think we know what Jimmy Garoppolo is, but he's. He's such a professional. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, you, you think about an Aaron Rodgers or a, or any other big time quarterback uh, in the NFL. If they brought in a, a a high pick, a third overall pick, you know, you a lot of those guys would 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 ask to be asked to be traded. You know, it's it's interesting how he just kind of keeps a, a level head and he just continues to play well. So I was impressed with, especially with that last drive. I mean, he was calm and cool. He read. He let the even the drive before that when when um, when Robbie Gold missed the field goal. He's just he, he just he it seems like he knows the offense. When he's comfortable, he's on he's on he's on on rhythm. He's just a really good, efficient quarterback. And you know he impressed me that that overtime that last drive that was a great drive by him, uh, setting the offense up to be successful. And then that that pass to Brandon Ayuk, it was an easy pass, but he put the offense in a position. Uh, to, to run that play. And, you know, and you said it, Dave, at the beginning, big-time players stood up and they made big-time plays today, and Jimmy Garoppolo was one of them. Well, let's put it in the bigger picture here. Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers' past seven games has delivered six efficient outings. Six of his past seven games have been objectively good by any metric. The, the one bad one, the one stinker, was the one, as Matt mentioned, he threw two interceptions against Seattle, and the 49ers have won five out of those seven games in which Jimmy Garoppolo has played well. The one exception where they didn't win, even though he was efficient, was the game against Arizona. And that was obviously one that we didn't pin on on Jimmy. We pinned that on 
a whole lot else, but but not the quarterback. That was a weird one for the 49ers against Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. But in general, because people, you know, I feel it's it's easy to become a prisoner of the moment in a season that's a roller coaster like this one. People get too high after wins and too low after losses. So you have to look at the big picture. And in the big picture, Garoppolo's playing consistently well. You can't just look at one game against Seattle and you know use that to paint his whole season. Over the past seven weeks, he's been playing well. And that's big news for the 49ers moving forward into December because right now you're 7-6. and six, You're back in that sixth seed in the NFC. If the Rams lose to the Cardinals tomorrow, you're only a game out of the five seed, and that's as high as the 49ers can realistically get. They're not going to win the division. They're too far behind the Cardinals. So you're starting to think about what can this team do in December? What can it do in January? And I think we see the formula right now. It's going to have to be led by Jimmy Garoppolo and the offense, right? And the defense is going to have to be opportunistic. And since Jimmy has played well in general over the past seven games with only that blip against Seattle, the 49ers have to be excited moving forward against a very beatable Atlanta team next week, Matt. I mean, uh, the, the chips are falling into place, but it's a fragile it's a fragile setup, right? Because if the, something else went wrong today for the 49ers, they didn't win. We wouldn't be talking like this. But it did break in their favor. And that's what this league is all about. You have to win these close games. That's why we're talking about crunch time. And the fact that the 49ers can, did that today means that they could potentially parlay this into making some noise in other clutch situations moving forward into December and maybe even January. Well, they uh, they had a Week 15 game, home game against the Falcons two years ago, and it was a better 49ers team and a worse Falcons team, and they lost it. So um, that that should be a, uh, a little history lesson uh, before this one. Um, and, and the thing is, is that they, they do well on these Eastern time zone games. They're, they're 10 and one, uh, which is remarkable. The last three seasons, uh, playing in the, in the Eastern time zone, it's the game after the, the game on the East coast that they, they tend to struggle. And it's, uh, sometimes they win, but it's usually ugly and mistake prone. Um, and, um, sometimes they lose, uh, the, the Green Bay game this year, the, the Philadelphia game last year. Those were both after uh, a pair of Eastern time zone games. So they, they've got to mind their P's and Q's. They, they did do it well against the Vikings. Remember that was the game after the win over the Jaguars. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a, um, you know, uh, that was, that was a game that was made close by some special teams errors, but, uh, the 49ers played, well overall. But you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, they won this game without um, Elijah Mitchell, which I thought was going to be a big deal. And and I think it was. I mean, um, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson only rushed the ball 13 times for uh, 56 yards. They definitely needed Debo Samuel on the ground. He, he tied his career high with, with eight carries and had the longest run of the game, that 27-yarder in the, in the second quarter. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's so important. They, they need that, that running game and they need it humming in order for everything to go well. And they got just enough today, Dennis, but, um, they certainly could use, I think, Elijah Mitchell back for this game. Be a nice shot in the arm for them going down this last stretch. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's what was missing in this football game is that run game. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is, is getting back um, you know, to where he was. I know that he had a pretty serious uh, knee injury, and he's, he's got to get just get it get back in the rhythm of things but um yeah that run game was missing my question is is Debo a receiver now or is he a running back it seems like he's more of a running back now and 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 that kind of worries me a little bit because you know 49ers running backs they get beat up and I would hate to see him go through some of the things that some of these running backs have gone through being a 49er running back uh in this offense but they need a running game. And, and you know, looking forward, I mean, it's got to be a game, game-by-game game plan for, for this team now. I mean, they, they have an opportunity now, you know, to to move up in the rankings and, 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 and get that, get a higher seat in the playoffs. But whatever it is, they're going to have to go on the road. And I, I, I truly believe that the 49ers play 49er football, the, the, the football that uh, is expected of this team, you can beat anybody. Uh, uh, in the in the postseason, if you have a run game, which is important, if you have a strong defense, that defensive front really showed up today, I think, and 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 you, and and you kind of maximize on on that in the secondary and 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 eliminate some of the mistakes. Uh, you know, I think Dante Johnson coming back could help this team, or if Emmanuel Mosley is going to come back, he's on IR. But you know, if if you, if you can just handle these things and just play clean football, I think the 49ers can move forward. And beat anybody, you know, on the road uh, in the postseason. I think today was a great data point supporting what you're saying, Dennis. Just consider this: they passed 41 times. Jimmy threw 41 passes, and they only rushed 23 times. Now, one of the big knocks on this team over the course of the past couple of years had been, oh, what? Whenever they're thrown off their formula, whenever they, you know, can't run as much as they pass, they're in big trouble. Well. Uh, today they really dispelled that. That they, they were better when they were passing more late in the game. They, they threw on six of the seven plays on that overtime drive, and that added up to those 41 attempts for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think when push comes to shove in the NFL, you can have your plan all you want, but there are going to come times when, for one reason or the other, and right now I think the reason is no Elijah Mitchell. You're obviously trying to fit Debo Samuel in there at running back, but teams are also going to be stacking the box for for all those reasons the 49ers run game just just wasn't explosive and efficient enough to carry the load itself today so the 49ers had to pass to set up the run and then at the end of the game they had to pass to to finish the job it wasn't going to be a running game at the very end and Garoppolo did that and for whatever reason you're, you're going to need that formula to to win you games in the NFL at critical junctures. You don't know when it's going to be. Maybe the next time the 49ers take the field against Atlanta, uh, they'll be able to run it 40 times and they'll be able to win. But if you want to make it to the promised land in this league, it, it is a passing league. 
at certain points. It, it, it just is. And today was one of those points, and the 49ers got it done. So that should give this team a whole lot of confidence that they have the firepower and the ability to win in different ways. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that running back situation. You know, we, we, we really aren't sure where Debo's going to be moving forward. It's like he got up to a 1,000-yard receiving season, and now he's catching one pass a game and really just <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking all that heat in the backfield. Uh, when Elijah Mitchell comes back, Matt, I think that it, it, the formula for the 49ers has to be that Samuel's merely a complement in the backfield to Mitchell, right? Or is this something that's going to continue to evolve into Debo just lining up as a tailback? Because it's really a fascinating transformation. I don't think we've ever seen this in NFL history, where a guy racks up a 1,000-yard receiving season in like half the year and then switches over and becomes a plus running back. It, it's crazy when you think about it in simplistic terms like that. But that's what's happening in front of our eyes. Yeah, it, it is uh, absolutely fascinating. I mean, um, I, I wrote it down here. Um, here, here it is. In, in the last three games, uh, Samuel has three catches. These are the last three games that he's played. He, he of course, missed last week's game in Seattle. But uh, in, in his last three games, he's got three catches for 49 yards. In the same span, he has 22 carries for 182 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he's been uh, a running back in these last three contests. And you're right, he's already over 1,000 yards. So um, it's it's incredible that he's been able to accomplish this. I, I know that after his first uh, kind of big running game this year, he kind of made it clear that, okay, I'm not doing this full time. I, I want to be a, a receiver. Uh, but it, it continues to work. I mean, they get one gouging uh, run from him with a touchdown every time um, they they line him up at uh, at running back. Uh, that, that's nothing that you can kind of sneeze at or ignore. So, um, you know, I, I think that it is going to happen for the rest of the season. I mean, even if Elijah Mitchell's back, he's already shown uh, shoulder injury, rib injury, finger injury, head injury, knee injury, adductor muscle injury, that you know, as good as he's been and as tough as he is, 25 carries is probably too much for him uh, if you want him to play the next week. So they've got to take that load off of him. I think Dennis is right. Uh, Jeff Wilson is starting to come back. He looked a little bit more like 2020 uh, Jeff Wilson today. I don't think he's quite back there yet, but I mean, you, you wouldn't expect that. I mean, the, the knee injury was serious. It does take probably a month, a month and a half for him to really find his legs, find his rhythm. But we're, we're closing in on that now. Uh, so that's that's a good thing. So I, I think that's what the 49ers hope is. That it becomes more of a 1A and 1B situation between Mitchell and Wilson from here on out. And instead of Debo Samuel getting eight carries, which, by the way, was what he had against Jacksonville, career high, it's more like two or three. Uh, it's more like 2019 and 2020 for Debo Samuel. Um, but if, if there are more injuries, like I said, it, it's something that you just can't ignore. He runs well inside. He runs well outside. He runs well. That's the bottom line. So uh, I don't think it's something that uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to ignore. I think at this point, Kyle Shanahan is just thinking, I just got to get the ball in my best player's hands. And I think Debo yep. is his best player. And, you know, I, I don't think he, he's going to have much to say about it. I think it's it, he's going to keep featuring him in the run game until, you know, you're able to defend him. And he's and he's no longer running back and you, you put him back out there at receiver. But, I mean, the, 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 watching him, I mean, 
he is the best player. I mean, he's such an athlete and just watching him run the ball, it just it blows my mind to think that, you know, here you are, you know, you're probably the best receiver in the National Football League, at least one of the best. And now you're a running back and and, and you're doing that pretty damn good, too. So he, he is a he is he is one of the keys to this offense. And I, I just think that Kyle Shanahan really has no choice because he's just thinking, I got to get the ball into my best player's hands and let him just play football. And that that's what it looks like he's doing. He's just playing football. And it, you know, it looks like he's out there playing Pop Warner again, just running around, kinda kinda having fun and and, and making play. So I, I think for right now until Jeff Wilson gets, you know, gets gets his legs back, Hastings gets back into it. Uh, Eliza Mitchell gets back into it. I think it's going to be a lot of Debo running the ball. And we shouldn't discount Jeff Wilson's performance. 13 carries for 56 yards, 4.3 per carry, mainly on the inside zone. I thought that a big play in this game was that double reverse trick that they ran to Ayuk, and he was looking to throw, but Cincinnati had it well covered. But Ayuk still found a way to scrounge four yards out of it, and that was on the touchdown drive that ended with Debo Samuel scoring to the outside. Up until that point, the 49ers didn't have much running room. Cincinnati was really flying sideline to sideline. They were keying in on what the 49ers were doing. But when the 49ers ran that reverse misdirection, it seemed to put some lead into the Bengals' legs. It seemed that they started questioning themselves, and the, the inside opened up because they just weren't as quick to attack what the 49ers were running, and Jeff Wilson had a couple bigger carries up the middle. And, you know, it, it wasn't a prolific rushing effort, but it was just enough, as Matt said, 23 carries for 100 yards. And, and Wilson was part of that. He was over half of that, 13 for 56. And, you know, that's going to be valuable. As he gets better and better, you would assume – getting further and further away from his injury, working back into the fold. If he could stay healthy, that's going to be a nice compliment to potential return from Elijah Mitchell and obviously to what Debo Samuel is doing. But but speaking of compliments, Garoppolo did a great job spreading the ball around. I mean, we haven't even talked about George Kittle and his stat line yet. 13 catches, 151 yards in this game. A touchdown at the end of the first half. On top of that, Brandon Ayuk, 6 for 62. Jawan Jennings, he's grown up over the last month. Three catches, 46 yards. Hasty had three catches in this game. Debo had only that one catch that we talked about, and Kyle Juszczyk had one catch. But that's, what, six different receivers? And on that final drive, when Garoppolo went 6 for 6, that went to four different receivers. So the 49ers efficiently spread the ball around, and – you know, today you could. They didn't have Elijah Mitchell, obviously, but with the weapons that they had, and we know this team is talented. They they very efficiently spread the ball out to keep the defense off balance using all of those weapons, Matt. And I can't stress how important that is because there's going to be games when Kittle's taken away and the 49ers are going to need a lot from Ayuk. There are going to be games when Samuel's taken away and they they need a lot from Kittle, right? And today I feel that they needed every inch from everybody. And they got that by spreading the ball around and seeing that production come from all corners of the offense. Right. Remember, Debo Samuel didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, he was back on Friday, but that's sort of a a half-speed practice. So it only makes sense that he wasn't going to be a big part of their their passing attack, their game plan today. And he wasn't. I mean, he got targeted once in this game, and he caught his one target for 22 yards. This was a big Kittle day, and it was a big Brandon Ayuk day. I mean, 
it started out with Garoppolo really looking towards Ayuk. Kittle ended up with 15 targets. Ayuk ended up with 11. Those are both huge numbers. So you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, this was a day that, you know, Debo Samuel wasn't going to be prolific in the passing game. And there will be games like that uh, coming up, but uh, they were able to go elsewhere with it. And so that's promising. Let's go back to something that Dennis said earlier. I mean, if this team makes the playoffs, and it's looking like they will, right now they're in the, the number six seed, I mean, they're, they're a team that nobody would want to play. I mean, they've got talent just about everywhere. I'd say the uh, the real weak spot is cornerback, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But, um, you know, even if it's uh, matched up against the Packers or the Buccaneers, maybe if they played those two, two teams ten times, the opponent wins six of them, but the, the 49ers are probably going to win four out of those games. And um, certainly to start the playoffs, if the 49ers are in the sixth seed and those are the two, the one and the two seeds, they're not going to play them right away. Um, so, um, I mean, it's just uh, at this point, get in and then let's see what happens. And um, if you're a team that plays defense and you're a team that runs the ball, those are that's a very good combination for going a long way in the postseason. And and I think the 49ers are kind of proving that. They're, they're like I said, 10-1 and one on the road, on the East Coast road in the in the last uh, three seasons. That, that's a team that, you know, can get its you-know-what together when it needs to. That's another promising sign as we uh, kind of close in on the end of the regular season here. Road Warriors, that's, it's important. I mean, 10-1, and one, you just said. I mean, that's impressive. I didn't know that's what the record was. That's that's super impressive. And it surprises me, actually, when you watch the way the 49ers play at home to, to go on the road and, and to dominate on the road like they do. And, you know, we're, to stay on Debo, I mean, you just talked about Juwan Jennings and, and, and Brandon Ayuk. I mean, these guys have really stepped up. Uh, they've really grown up. And, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is getting a lot of confidence in him. So if Debo has to be the guy who's gonna who's gonna put something to your run game, put some some excitement in your run game, somebody has to step up. We know what George Kittle can do. Again, it's great to have a healthy George Kittle back because that's this is two weeks back to back that he's had fantastic games, uh, and he's a force. He's a he's a mismatch. You know, defenses have to hate to see when he lines up in any kind of run for or any kind of pass formation. Brandon Ayuk, he's coming around. You know, he's he's being targeted more. Uh, he's making big plays. And Jawan Jennings, he's just kind of come out of nowhere. And I'm impressed by him. You know, just his tenacity, uh, his ability to kind of find the ball, track the ball in the air. That back shoulder throw, you know, that was a tough catch to make. And he came down with it. He made a couple other really good catches. So, you know, if, if this team is going to move forward, guys have to step up. Uh, and I think those three guys, as far as the passing game goes, if Debo is going to be the run guy, those guys have to step up, and they've done it for the last couple of weeks now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about the defense because uh, I, I thought that they were unsung heroes for a lot of this game. And then they, they ran out of gas there at the end of regulation. 
And I think they were out of gas during overtime, but as Matt said, they scrounged up that one play to save the game in, in the Nick Bosa sack because Cincinnati had moved the ball 60 yards in five plays before that. So the 49ers really needed Bosa to step up. And, you know, I, I liken it to uh, D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator. He has a limited amount of bullets in those situations, right? You, you could start cheating with blitzes, but ultimately a good explosive offense like Cincinnati's is going to burn you if you cheat too often. And, you know, I think that D'Amico Ryan's had em- emptied the clip, but he, he had one more blitz there at the end that made that Bosa sack work. If you guys notice, the tight end for Cincinnati stayed behind the block on that third and three. And he, he stayed behind to help the right tackle against Nick Bosa. But D'Amico Ryans knew that that was probably going to be the case, so he brought Kwan Williams on a second blitz. The first one had worked in the fourth quarter, 14-yard loss, but obviously the 49ers weren't able to capitalize on it because they blew the lead later anyway. So he probably didn't have that bullet you know, left anymore at that point, but, but he said, well, what the heck, I've got to do something. I'm not, you know, I'd rather lose this game firing, right? You can't just sit back and not blitz because the 49ers' pass rush wasn't getting home. So he brought Kwan again, Forced the tight end to pick up K1, right? And that allowed Bosa to have a one-on-one against right tackle. And Bosa delivered in his one-on-one situation. I, you know, I likened it in my article. I said the defense was hanging by a thread there, Matt. But uh, that thread did not snap. And it was close to snapping. But thanks to just delivering at the right time, the 49ers were able to get it done. And, you know, that should also shine a light on what they did throughout the first three quarters or so this game. They just weren't giving up touchdowns. They would only give up field goals. And one time Cincinnati missed a field goal. And that's all huge because this game went to overtime, right? So bend but not break was the motto of the day. And I think that has to be the formula for this season for this 49ers defense. And they mostly executed it in this game. Yeah, and, and K1 Williams is a real nice bullet because when, when you send K1, he... <laughs> He rarely misses. I mean, he's really a good tackler, shabby tackler. He's like a 180-pound linebacker, basically the position that he plays. Um, so he had another strong game. Um, Bosa, I, I was really interested in watching him in this game because, you know, I, I wrote about this on Saturday, but his left side, right side uh, season so far is really, it's ridiculously even. Uh, going into this game, he had 12 sacks. Six were from the left, six were from the right. He had uh, 40 pressures, 20 were from the left, 20 were from the right. I mean, it was, the snap count was almost exactly even, too, just off by three or four snaps. So uh, I, was, I was trying to figure out what, what the rhyme or reason is. I mean, whether he's kind of doing it, uh, he's watching the uh, offense line up and he's figuring out where the tight end is and he's going on the opposite side. I don't think that's happening. Um, you know, he was exclusively a right defensive end in the first quarter of this game. And I figured, okay, he, he's going he's gonna to play on the right side the whole game. Well, in the second quarter, he switches to the left. Um, and uh, that ends up being where he played the most snaps. And part of it was because uh, the Bengals' right tackle, Riley Reef, left the game. I think he was dealing with an ankle injury. And Isaiah Prince, the backup, comes in. Isaiah Prince and Nick Bosa were teammates at Ohio State. Uh, Nick Bosa was the number two overall pick in 2019. Isaiah Prince was the number 202 overall pick, a six-rounder. And uh, afterwards, Bosa said that he must have gone against Prince a thousand times 
uh, in Columbus. Well, they're, they're a little bit south of Columbus today. He's going against Isaiah Prince again. And, uh, you know, six-rounder versus uh, number two overall pick. Um, I, I think uh, Bosa liked his chances on that side, which is why he decided to hang out on the left side. And um, he would have had three sacks from there had it not been for Ambry Thomas uh, penalty wiping away one of those. But um, I think the the bottom line is that, uh, Dennis, and you can probably relate to this, once you find a weakness and you're a defensive lineman, <laughs> you want to you want to stick on that guy for the rest of the game. And uh, Nick Nick Bosa found uh, a uh, a bit of a weak spot in that Bengals offensive line. I don't even know if it's Nick Bosa. I, I'm sure it's a coaching staff. They said, "Listen, we got to get our pass our best pass rusher, you know, against this this guy." That it, it's just like quarterbacks who pick on you know, safeties that come in. I mean, you you know. Or cornerbacks that just come into the football game. I mean, you, you know where the weakness is, and you want to put your best player in front of that guy. And, you know, Nick Bosa is, he makes it look easy. I mean, if you watch him play, he makes it look easy. And uh, you wouldn't know it, but, you know, his, his motor's going 100 miles an hour. And, and you're talking to him, you would think that it would be a challenge to get him fired up, but uh, he's got something that he just goes. And and I remember watching, I think it was that last sack. I mean, it was just him, him rushing, uh, a quarterback trying to get out the pocket, trying to buy some time, and him just, just going on his pass rush, just keep going on his pass rush, not giving up on his pass rush, and then run, running, running burrows down. I mean, that's all, it just hustle. And a lot of his sacks are just hustle sacks. And, you know, he, he knows the game. He knows if he stays, if he, if he keeps moving, that something's going to happen. The quarterback's going to flush out. He's going to be there for him. And, you know, you said three sacks. I think he had two and a half to I think he had a half a sack with someone. So he makes it look he makes it look real easy. And the 49ers just need to figure out who's going to be that other end. I mean, there, there, was, there was some pressure. Eric Armstead had some pressure today. But if you can find someone, if D Ford's not going to be there, I mean, if you can find someone to book in him and get him more isolated, I mean, you're going to get more production. I mean, even more production than, you know, 12 and a half sacks. But, you know, he's he, he's a, he's an interesting guy to watch. And he, he makes me jealous because he makes it look so easy. And it's hard to get sacks at a National Football League. But because of his hustle and his technique and his ability to play on the edges, he's always going to make big plays for this defense. Well, a couple things happened today. I called the just enough game because the 49ers defense got just enough. And I think that really applies to their defensive line, especially at the position you're talking about, opposite Bosa. They, they need to find a way to get just enough. There was that one play where both Bosa and Samson Ebucom collapsed the pocket from their respective edges, and I think Ebucom ultimately got credit for, for the sack on that one. So that, that was a positive for the 49ers because they haven't gotten enough out of him. Then there was a play earlier in the game where Bosa had come out, and their defense was vulnerable on second down because he gets these breathers every once in a while, and I could just tell from the pass rushing package they had in there that that play could have spelled trouble. It was a second down. And Charles Amenehu, uh was able to, I think, pre-read what Burrow was going to do. He rolled out, and he, because Amenehu was all over the play, he was in Burrow's face, and he knocked down the pass, forced the third down that ended up killing the Bengals' drive. So, I mean, just a small contribution like that from a defensive end not named Bosa while Bosa was out was probably really key in this game because if Cincinnati picks up that first down, they might score a touchdown and, you know, everything changes. So the 49ers got 
the big play from Ebucom. They got the big play from Amenahu. And then you're talking about Eric Armstead on the inside. We have to mention DJ Jones. I thought he was one of the best players on the football field. And that's now been the case for several of the 49ers games this year. And Matt, how huge is that? Remember what we were talking about earlier this season? 49ers, you know, were getting sporadic availability at best from Javon Kinlaw. Now they're getting nothing from him because he had ACL surgery. Uh, players like Zach Kerr, who's no longer in the team, he's with Arizona now, were, were disappointing. He was getting washed out on the inside. The interior run defense was a weakness. The 49ers need it more for their defensive tackles. Well, look what's happened. DJ Jones has surged on the inside to the point where, I mean, he's able to deliver on every down. He's athletic enough to deliver on every down. And Eric Armstead has moved inside. And I really think that Armstead-DJ Jones pairing, people aren't talking about it enough, but I think that's helped get give this defense a second wind. And it's allowing them to overcome a lot of the deficiencies that they see opposite Bosa on the edge because they're so strong on the inside now between those two guys. Yeah, I think you you must have tweeted this during the game that uh, you know uh, playing next to Eric Armstead has been a real boon for DJ Jones, and I, and I think that's absolutely right. And the fact of the matter that is DJ Jones is is there; he's present. He, that's not always been the case in December with him. Um, he had a reputation coming out of college uh, for sort of flagging at the end of seasons. He wasn't the same player to begin the season as he was at the end. And, and he realized that was a problem, and he's really focused on stamina. Uh, and uh, you know, I know you can't focus on durability, but uh, he's really made it a goal to, to be there in the month of December. And, and you're right. They, they played two games in December – so far, DJ Jones had a monster game in Seattle, um, and another strong one today in Cincinnati. So that's that's a that's a very very good sign. Remember, we, we always talk about oh, is this the same team as 2019? Is this the same defensive line as 2019? The answer is no, they're not as good. But that 2019 team didn't have DJ Jones in in the month of December. Remember, he got hurt in that in that Saints game, I think it was. Um, uh, and, uh, he wasn't there for the, the home stretch. He wasn't there for the, uh, the playoffs. So if he's present, then the 49ers will have something on the inside that they didn't have in their Super Bowl run a couple of years ago. So, uh, that's very important. The, the edge, the other edge continues to be an issue. And I, I really think Dennis, that, that that's gotta be their, at least their, um, I think free agency, their priority has to be finding a cornerback. Uh, but in the draft, they're going to have a, a second-round pick. Maybe that's where they spend that second-round pick, on a on a fast, uh, D-Ford-like, but 10 years younger, um, edge player, somebody who can come in and, and be a real complement to Nick Bosa on passing downs. You know, I haven't really followed college uh, football. I don't know who's out there, but if you can get anybody to get some consistent pressure – Anybody that's going to maybe draw a double team, uh, it, it's going to help your defense so much because I, I really believe if Nick Bosa is, is going to be one-on-one, he's going to, nine out of ten times, he's going to win that one-on-one and he's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to get home. And, you know, you talk about DJ, DJ Jones and Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead is great to play inside because he's got that, that arm over. He's got those long arms. Uh, and, and that that wide nine, that gap is so wide between between guard and tackle. So he can be a force uh, as far as that interior, that gut rush. 
And I, I think Eric Armstead, you know, he, he's 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 not having the season he had last season, but he's being very effective because of a guy like DJ Jones. And DJ has become a really good interior defensive lineman. I think he could be the most improved player on this football team. Uh, and he's shown it the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's really kind of dominated there in the middle with his penetration. And then he's becoming a nice little pass rusher, too. So, you know, that defensive line is is your strength. Uh, but if you can go out and improve it with someone on the other end to compliment Nick Bosa, I think this team just gets a whole lot better. But De- you're right. DJ Jones has had a really good season this year. You know, it's amazing. We've already gone, what, 40 minutes and we haven't talked about Ambry Thomas's first career start. A uh, couple costly penalties during the course of the game, illegal hands to the face. Uh that, that set the 49ers back, and then uh, Joe Burrow really started picking on him late. Jamar Chase scored that tie and touchdown against Ambry Thomas deep. I mean, that was going to be a really, really tough assignment for the rookie. But uh, we could delve more into this on Wednesday because I think that the primary takeaway should be that D'Amico Ryans did a really good job hiding a less-than-ideal cornerback situation with well-timed blitzes, with a bend-but-don't-break defense. I mean, he picked his spots, and we've seen D'Amico Ryans grow up over the course of this season. You know, we were criticizing him, and, you know, it was deserved after the 49ers lost to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. You saw so many blitz calls just didn't hit for the 49ers in that game. It was like he was really being outfoxed by Cliff Kingsbury. Well, today, I thought that D'Amico Ryans was on his P's and his Q's, and uh, you know, his coaching acumen showed in this game. And for a rookie defensive coordinator, that's, you know, December is hit. He's finding his stride. That's a big deal. That's a that's a really big deal. So D'Amico Ryans did a good job. He hit a less than ideal cornerback situation. And we, we do have to mention before we wrap this up, uh, we, we talked about it a bit at the top, but just the uh, – it, it just blows my mind that the 49ers had – such an unbelievably bad special teams performance the week before, and they're by no means perfect on special teams on Sunday. Robbie Gold, for the first time in a 49ers uniform, missed a potential game-winning kick at the at the final gun. But the Bengals were so bad special teams-wise with all those muff punts and all those fumbles, and they missed the field goal of their own. It's like the 49ers got repaid. It's like the universe evened out, Matt after the special teams debacle in Seattle. That was quite something, and people will forget about that part of the story because of how crazy this game finished. But throughout the first, what, three-plus quarters, it, it was like the, all the special teams problems the 49ers had seen against the Seahawks were, were being repaid to them uh, by how bad the Bengals were in that phase of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the that's the difference in the game. They get 10 points off of those two muff punts, and it, it was almost a... Uh, uh, a fumble on a kick return too. I mean, that was that would have been the icing on the cake. But you're right. I mean, and that's that's what I thought that they were going to bring uh, against Seattle. I mean, they had such a bad game against the Vikings that I thought, okay, this has got to be a bounce back game, and that's why it was so um, you know unacceptable to have two of those back to back. And if you had a third, that would have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But uh, luckily, that unit really played well. There, uh, of course, there was the Robbie Gold. Missed a field goal that could have won the game. That's unfortunate. Um, but otherwise, it was pretty pretty flawless on special teams, and uh, including on on kick coverage. That that's that to me has been one of the big um, er- areas of concern. And, and David wrote about this during the week. Um, they just don't cover kicks very well. Wisnowski doesn't boot them deep into the end zone. 
opponents return the ball well beyond the 25-yard line. Well, today the, the Bengals averaged 13.3 yards on their three returns, and uh, Wisnowski had uh, three touchbacks. So, um, you know, you, you, you eliminate that. That's, that's a big deal. That's a lot of yardage in a game if you're, if you're giving that up. So um, I'm sure Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator, was <laughs> the most relieved guy in the, in the stadium afterwards uh, because he's, been, he's replaced D'Amico Ryans as the guy on the hot seat after those two bad games. His seat, Dennis, cools off a little bit this week. You know, you, you see just how important special teams are. I mean, it, it's those two muff punts. I mean, that, that you know, at that point, I thought it was going to be, you know, the 49ers winning by three touchdowns. Um, but, you know, it, it came down to one last drive. And, you know, when Robbie Gold missed a field goal, you know, I'm in the studio and I can just you can just hear the building just kind of just the groans. The entire the entire floor is just, ah. Uh, but, you know, luckily the 49 or defense goes out, only gives up that the field goal, and then Jimmy Garoppolo takes the, takes the team down and wins the football game. But special teams, so important. I mean, it, it is important that, that you're efficient on special teams. And if you're going to muff a punt, not one but two, you know, you, it's going to be hard to get a job in the NFL if that's, if that's, your, if that's your skill. So, you know, special teams are important, and, and, and we see how important it is. 49ers prove to us how important it is. And it's also important that that you're there. I mean, you're there on special teams if if if, if there is that opportunity uh, to get a turnover. So it's super important. Uh, luckily, the 49ers were on the good side this week because they've been on the bad side the last couple of weeks. I have the numbers right now. This is a good way to finish the show. We talked about how bad it was last week, and and we, I think we went over the final damage on Wednesday with the analytics and the expected points. The 49ers lost. 10.8 expected points on special teams last week. So nearly 11 points just through all those special teams gaffes. Well, in this game, the Bengals lost and the 49ers gained 10.7 expected points through special teams. So nearly a direct inverse of of last week. The 49ers, I mean, in this game, you know, without that, the 49ers don't even get into overtime here. You talk about the Bengals probably, um, you know, taken this game because the 49ers benefited so much early on from those special teams gaffes so um, it did even out at least over the course of the past two weeks the 49ers got a big boost from special teams and however they got to overtime they got there I know at the time it felt like it was the Bengals who had forced overtime but remember that it was the Bengals who were coughing the game up early on so the 49ers got to overtime and then that whole new game started and during that whole new game of overtime, they delivered on offense through the pass game. They delivered opportunistically on defense, and, and they kicked the touchback. And that shouldn't be taken for granted. You know, They weren't able to kick touchbacks against Seattle, and it killed them. Well, Wisnowski led off overtime with a touchback, and I don't think that uh, we should ever just think that that's an automatic from here on out. So nearly 11 points the 49ers got from their special teams today, which it's that just comes from the category, the bucket of you can't make this stuff up. But... Um, it's been a wild season, so I would expect nothing less. Anyway, 49ers win this one 26-23 over the Bengals. They are now 7-6. It's Atlanta next week. We'll talk to you in the middle of the week, so make sure you tune in then. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. See you next time on the Here's the Catch podcast.